Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Welcome in Quad City Church. We are in week 11 of our series through the book of Romans. And here's the good news today is we actually get to share good news. So if you've been with us for the last couple of months, we've been working our way through the bad news, but I am privileged and honored to share some good news with us today. So if you have your Bibles or your book, we're going to be reading today in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. And this is the word of the Lord. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to have your word today. And my prayer is that we would have open hearts and minds to receive this word with good news through Jesus Christ today. Amen. 
All right. Well, good morning. My name is Grant. If we've never met before, I just want to welcome everybody here, everybody in Prescott Valley. I am so excited to be here today. We get to hear some good news. You guys have been in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 for 10 weeks. If you're new here, I just want you to know that's heavy. That's a heavy thing to do. And I am just so appreciative because I don't know if you know this, but there's there's, there's less and less churches like this one. There's less and less churches that are just walking through Scripture and really dealing with sort of the heavy stuff, but it is so necessary. So what you've been doing is you've just been realizing what it means that God in his mercy sent his son Jesus to this earth. And the best way to learn that a lot of times is by understanding how far away from God we really are. In order to understand what it means to be saved— you need to understand the wrath of God. And in order to understand the wrath of God, you need to understand your own sin. So that's where you've been at uh, for the last 10 weeks. And, um, and I wanted to, again, I want to reinforce why this is so important. I flew, uh, I was supposed to fly into Phoenix last night, supposed to land about seven. And uh, we were in the air for about 30 minutes and it was taking way longer than it should. And all of a sudden the, the captain comes across and he says, hey, uh, we've been in a holding pattern for about the last 30 minutes, and here's the reason why, because uh, there's, there's rain, and we just can't land in Phoenix. And I was just like, how weird is that? I didn't even know it rained in the desert. But anyway, so there's this rain, and we can't land, and, and he was like, and then he ended by saying this. So there's going to be a 30-minute period of time. In about 30 minutes, we'll have another window, and I swear, this is what he said, we should have enough fuel to hold out that long. And I'm going to tell you, that one statement changed the demeanor on the plane. Like, he, if he would have just said, well, we're going to see if we can land, we would have been like, oh, man. But when he said, we should have enough fuel, we're like, okay, well, maybe we should just land. Maybe we should just land anywhere we can find. Is Denver nearby? Let's just do that. And, uh, and so it changed the demeanor to the point where when we landed in Vegas, which is where we had to land, uh, we landed there, and there was an applause that broke out because everybody was like, we didn't run out of fuel. We're here. And so anyway, I, uh, I ended up renting a car in Vegas and driving down, got here about one o'clock uh, this morning, which is four o'clock my time. So I just downed some Red Bull. Um, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of the Red Bull. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that understanding of what you're being saved from and, and the need for that, that is vitally important. And that's where you've been through the book of Romans. I, I was excited that you guys have this screen because I want to draw on it. You'll see why, because I'm, I'm a pretty good artist. Anyway, you have, you have God over here, right? And all of his holiness and glory, which I represented with those four lines. And then you have... And then you have us over here. And w w yes, that's us. That's good. And the, the best way to understand God's grace and mercy is not to just ha keep having people tell you over and over again, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. He died for you. I, I remember being forced to go to camp and people would tell me how much it, it meant that Jesus died on the cross and he loves you. And honestly, my response to that was like, I don't, I don't know that I care. Like, I, I, so What? But to understand truly what it means, we have to understand how very far away from God we are. My mom uh, did a good job at this. She didn't get everything right. She's probably watching this. So I'm like, you did get things right, mom. She didn't get everything right, but this is one of the things she got right. 
I remember I came home as a teenager and I'd been drinking quite a bit. I was, I was buzzed. I probably wasn't drunk. I came home. I laid down in bed, kind of snuck into my room, hoping I could get away with it. She sat down at the edge of my bed and, and she opened up her Bible and she read a couple of different passages. At the time, I didn't realize that these were like two different passages she was reading, but she read to me two lists that the Apostle Paul has. One of them is in 1 Corinthians, and it talks about liars and then sexually immoral, and then it talks about drunkards. And she paused when she got to drunkards. She kind of underlined that. She was like, and these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then she goes over to Colossians, and there's another passage where it says, and, and it's another list, and it's liars, and it's sexual immorality, and it says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And she read these to me, and she, she was just not one of these people who are like, hey, everything's going to be fine, everything, Jesus loves you, and that's enough to know. She highlighted how much God loves me by showing me how far away I am from him, and that is the missing piece of the modern-day gospel. And so I am just so excited that you guys have spent the last 10 weeks digging into the wrath of God and digging into our sin and understanding just how far away we are from God. I want to start with a verse from uh, last week. I know, we're going to get to the good news, but I want to hit this one more time. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, Therefore, this is what Jason ended with last week, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Nothing in the Old Testament, none of the Moses, none of the Ten Commandments, none of that by good works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. That's all the law really accomplished, is making us aware of our sin. And we need to hear this. That isn't actually all that helpful. It's important, but it's not actually that helpful because all it does is highlight how very far away we are from God. We experience this on a regular basis. I don't know if you've ever had one of these jobs where you, you just, your, your boss, your employer, or whatever, they just keep telling you everything that you're doing wrong. Everything that you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, and it just doesn't feel like you can actually be good at your job. So eventually what you do with that is you what? You, you quit. Sometimes you do this with parenting. Some of us were raised in homes like this. Some of you were parents like this, where we just tell our kids all the time what they're doing wrong. We tell them what's right, and we tell them what's wrong. We say, do the right stuff, don't do the wrong stuff. Parenting. And eventually that becomes overwhelming. Maybe you were raised in a home like this. Maybe you led a home like this. It starts when the kids are young, and it starts with everything. It's like, don't chew with your mouth open. Don't pick your nose, especially in public. Don't, don't uh, you know, when you're talking to somebody, look them in the eye, shake. When you shake their hand, shake them a good, make sure you're respectful to people. Do your homework, do your school. If you don't do your school, you're just being lazy. Don't be lazy. You're on your phone too much. Why are you on your phone so much? Let me see that phone. What are you looking at on your phone? Why would you look at something like that? And the list just goes on and on. And all we do as parents is we tell them what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing that's right. And if that's all we do as parents, eventually what happens? They rebel. Every single one of them, every single time, if all you do is tell them the right and the wrong, they will push back, they will rebel because they can't do it. And they give up and they reject 
They reject all of the things that you taught them. And that's essentially what the Old Testament is. It's just like, hey, here's everything you're doing wrong. Here's all the things you do right. But it isn't that helpful because we can't do it. So now we get to talk about some good news. Here we go, Romans 3.21. How many people have been here for all 10 weeks of this series so far? Wow, you, wow. better church attendance than we have in Michigan. Okay, here's the good news, ready? But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. That's the good news, okay? This, I, I wanted to like bring out some confetti or something like that. I was like, woo, you know? Maybe if I could have brought some goalposts, we could have tore them down and carried them out, you know? They said the Tennessee-Alabama game. Anyway, I didn't. I was on a plane. Anyway, um, but, but this is the moment. He's saying, listen, the law has stood opposed to you. It has condemned you. It has highlighted your sin, and you have been completely incapable of doing it. But now, apart from the law, there is a way to be righteous, to be made known. It's not on you anymore. It's not on me. It's not about us accomplishing it through our good works and our behavior. It's a, it's a different path. I was thinking about the Oregon Trail when I was driving through the desert in the middle of the night. I don't know why. But I was thinking about the Oregon Trail. I know it didn't come through here. Anyway, I was thinking about the Oregon Trail, and I just, I just thought everybody that went on the Oregon Trail... About eight days in, probably every one of them was like, this was a really bad idea. And they hadn't even gone through winter or had relatives die of dysentery because that happened a lot according to the game I played on the Commodore 64. But anyway, nobody had even died from dysentery, which I think would probably be the worst way to go. And and they were going through this whole journey, and just imagine being in that winter or whatever, and you're hungry, and you're worried, and you're afraid, and there's so much more journey to go ahead. This verse is like all of a sudden, you're on that Oregon Trail during a harsh winter, and all of a sudden, a, a helicopter lands. You've never seen a helicopter before. A helicopter lands, somebody jumps off and been like, hey, there's a new way. And I got In-N-Out Burger on this thing, and it's warm, and all you got to do is get on board, and it won't take us very long. We're just going to fly. And even if you would have been scared of that helicopter, even if you would have understood what that was, you'd be like, I'm in, I'm in, let me, let me get in there. That's what this is saying. Is like, we have been trying, we have been journeying, the wrath of God has been poured out on his people, and we keep failing and turning away from God. But now there's a new way to be right and just in the sight of God. And he explains it to us. The right, this righteousness, this, this way of being right in God's sight and holy, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So simple, so powerful, so beautiful, good news. I want to draw your attention to these two words, faith and believe. It's no longer on you. It's no longer on you learning what's right and learning what's wrong and, and executing on that. It's no longer getting a good grade. It is about simply faith in Jesus Christ and believing in him. I think to understand that, again, we go back to how far away we are from God and what we put our confidence in. Uh, several years ago, 
there was an electrician that came to our house, and, and my wife and my four kids were all at home, and, and I was going to, to work, uh, going back from lunch break. And I just remember thinking how weird it is to like leave this guy I don't know with my family. But I was like, I got to go to work, though. So I left, and I left him there with my family. I just got to thinking, imagine what it would be like if this guy found me, he came to, to my place of work, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, I got all the work done at the house, everything is great, visited with your family, and I just want you to know, you don't know this, but I, I've been going to your church, I've been following along, and I know you, and man, I just want you to know, you, you're great, you're fantastic, and in fact, I just like you so much that I'd like to take you out for dinner if you'd let me, and in any place you want to go, I'd buy you the biggest, juiciest steak we can find. I'd be like, yes, please. So then we go to that place, and we sit down, and he just, the whole time, he just is singing my praises and talking to me about what a great guy I am and what a great family I have. And he says, hey, I just want you to know I've run into some money recently, and I just, I can't think of anybody I'd rather give this money to. So he gets out his checkbook, and he writes a check and hands me over a check for $10,000. And he was like, it's just, it's just, I just want you to have it. And I'm not one of those people that's proud. I'd be like, okay. I would deposit that before we left the lunch table. Anyway, so like, I was just like, yeah, that's great. Oh, cool, man. You're like my new favorite person, you know? And he just continues to sing my praises and everything. And then he, and then he, uh, and he sends me away and I go back home. And I realize when I get home that while I was gone, he murdered my entire family. My wife's dead. My kids are dead. What would happen inside of me? I mean, I, I try to be a loving, gracious person, but in that moment, I would be filled with wrath, with a blind rage, with an anger. And I just want you to imagine in that moment, do you think it would matter at all that he bought me a steak dinner? Would it matter that he wrote me a check for $10,000? Would it matter that he sang my praises? No, it would mean absolutely nothing to me. That would be nothing in comparison to what he had done. We keep putting the emphasis on us, on executing about what you should be doing and what I should be doing and and executing the right. And that's how we get close to God. And that's how we are saved. We keep putting the emphasis in the wrong place. We keep thinking, man, if I just... Just keep singing God's praises. Some of you give. You give religiously. You're just like writing that check. Maybe you think in your heart that this is, this is how you're saved. This is how you find God's grace and his mercy. And he was like, no, it's new. It's by faith. It's belief. If you want to put all of your stock in something, it's faith and belief. And back to the story of me and the guy, if if he has any chance with me, it would be to fall down on his knees and beg for mercy. That would be it. That would be his only shot. And God's like, listen, I have provided the way. I have provided the path through Jesus Christ. I need you to put your faith, your belief, your heart, not just, not just lip service, not a pray, prayer you say at a camp, not just getting baptized one day. I need you to put your faith and your belief in your heart. Give me everything you got, with, which ain't much. And that is how we find salvation in Christ. He says in the next verse, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, if you've been in church world for very long, you've probably heard this verse before. You may have even quoted it. And the piece that we pull out here is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which understandably is so because it is one of those verses that is just, it encapsulates so much that's in Scripture, and it's just put in one nice little statement. And we use that as a point to people to say, hey, listen, everybody has sinned. You need to understand that. But I think it's interesting if you look at the place where Paul uses it here. He first mentions the Jew and the Gentile. And he says, listen, it's no different for Jew or Gentile. Why does he bring that up here? It's because they are just like we are. This is part of your sinful nature. This is part of one of those unconscious or sometimes conscious things that you do that's a part of your flesh, your sinful nature that Jason's been talking about for 10 weeks. We have a tendency to find a circle where we have the moral high ground. We love to do this. This is something you do automatically and you don't even realize you do it. Sometimes we do that with America. We look and go, USA, USA, that's, that's it. We are better. And we think that somehow because we are citizens of the United States, that somehow we are more, more moral or, or closer to God or, or more holy. Sometimes at least we want to believe that. <laughs> people used to think that. I don't know if people think that anymore. But anyway, that's, that's kind of a thought pattern is we try to find our circle where we have the moral high ground so we can look down at other people. Sometimes this happens in different cultures and different races and, and poor people look down on, on rich people and rich people look down on poor people. I think I, I'm noticing it most of all in our current moment with generations. Young people think that old people are the problem. I was on the plane and we finally landed, right? We're in Vegas and we finally pull up and they won't let us off the plane because there's a communication problem and so we have to sit there for another 45 minutes just waiting for them to just open the door. And it's hot. I'm sitting next to this girl. She's probably about 23 years old. Finally, people are getting off the plane. And there's older people that are ahead of us. And they're having a hard time getting their luggage down because they're old. And she turns to me and she's like, oh my goodness, there's so many old people on this plane. Now, what I liked about that is because the way she said it, I think she was implying, I'm not one of the old people. And I was like, no cap, brah. They're just old people, you know. So, like, there's a tendency to, like, view, like, the old people are the problem by young people, but old people aren't like that, right? No, of course. We think, I mean, you think, I'm not one of the, I almost, went. you old people think that the young people are the problem. Right? Because everything that's wrong with the world is because of the youths, right? That's, that's what's wrong with the world. We have a tendency to do that. We find our circle where we have the moral high ground, where we can say things like, back in my day, and we can look down on other people. For them, there was no greater thing than the Jews looking down on the Gentiles. And even in this new covenant where they're trying to understand what exactly it is that Jesus died on the cross for his sins, they're trying to find that moral high ground still. And they're trying to say, well, we're the root of Abraham. 
Like Moses is literally our ancestor. Like we're the Jews. Like we've been studying the Torah scripture. We got this stuff memorized. We went to Jew camp, right? Like we know this stuff. We memorized the law. We're not doing any of it, but we memorized it. And so they think they have the moral high ground. And that's where Paul is coming along and saying, there is no difference. It doesn't matter how you were raised, who you were raised by, what part of the country you were raised in, whether you were raised in church, like my wife. My wife was raised in church, and she, that might be you. She was raised in church, and she just kind of has just always been a Christian. Like, she came out of the womb, and there was a glow around her. And so the worst thing that she's ever done, like, we sat down to compare notes, and, like, you know, when we were getting to know each other and confessing, you know, like, sins in our past, and I had this long list. And she was like, one time I watched Basic Instinct. And my parents didn't know about it. And I'm like, wow, you really are a thinner, aren't you? But like... But like, that might be you. Like, that might be you're just raised. And so your moral high ground is, well, I haven't done what you people have done. Or your moral high ground might be something else. Or you might be like me who found mercy and grace and Christ and forgiveness. And then somehow I began to like forget my identity in that. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, it doesn't matter who you are. We are all in the same playing field for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And honestly, that's my favorite part of the gospel. Why do we try to find these circles where we have the moral high ground? It's, an, uh, it's a wide open, even playing field. He says in the next verse, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. This is such an important scripture. This is, you're going to write a book on theology. If you're going to talk about theology, you have to come to this verse and understand this because in the Gospels, we learn how Jesus died on the cross, but Paul is explaining why. Like, what is the significance of it? And specifically, this word here, atonement. If you have some older translations, or maybe you've read uh, the RSV or some, uh, the American Standard Bible, you, you would probably see the word propitiation. The reason we don't use the word propitiation anymore is because nobody knows what it means. But, but it's this very heavy concept that when Jesus died on the cross, he was taking and satisfying the wrath of God. It's important to understand this because Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you would be free from anxiety. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you're, you're, you, know, you could have your prayers answered or you could meet your financial goals or whatever. Jesus died on a cross not to ransom you from the devil. Jesus died on a cross to satisfy his own wrath. When we talked about the idea of being rescued and being saved in salvation, we are being rescued and saved from God's very own wrath. What's interesting is this word here, is the same word used to describe the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, the gold box, right? That is that lid is this word. It's translated one other time in Hebrews, and it's called the mercy seat. And what would happen is they would take uh, sacrifices of lambs and bulls and goats, and they would take that blood, and they would walk into the temple, past the holy place into the holy of holies where the ark was and they would they would spray or they would shed this blood on the mercy seat on the lid 
of the Ark of the Covenant. And this was a representation on the Day of Atonement, where all of the sins would be atoned for because of this blood that was offered up as a sacrifice. Now, we learn in the New Testament that actually, you can't be saved by the blood of a goat. You can't be saved for that. God commanded them to do it, and it was an act of faith, but there was no salvation actually happening because of that animal, because of that blood. The atonement was actually a representation of who Jesus was and what he would do. Catch this. He is both the one that is receiving, he is both the the place that is receiving this wrath, and he is also the one shedding the blood. It's, It's kind of hard to describe. I pride myself a lot of times on being able to illustrate things, but this is kind of hard to illustrate because we don't experience anything else like this. It would be kind of like, I guess, if you were speeding through a, through a uh, school zone and you got pulled over. And I, I don't know what the fine is uh, in Michigan, but I do know what it is in Arizona because after first service, come, somebody came up and told me the fine for that is $632. Don't ask me how I know that. And I was like, all right, $632. So I want you to imagine a cop pulled you over and gave you a fine. I said, listen, it's $632. Got it? Here it is. Sign this. Thank you. And also, he pulls out his wallet and he hands you $632. That would be kind of what it means that God has provided through Jesus Christ the atonement or the propitiation of our sins. It gets us at least in the right direction. It would be also sort of like, I guess, uh, being disciplined. I, as a kid, I, I was rebellious. I was a little wild. And I had this terrible tendency when my parents would be lecturing me to turn to them and go, nah, 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 nah. I don't know. I still do it to my wife. But anyway, <laughs> it's just a thing. So they would be telling me something. And I'd, blah, blah. Well, one particular winter day, I remember my dad would take me in the back and he would, uh, he would, he would spank me. I, I was born in 1976 on a farm. So when I say spank, I mean whoop it. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was a it was a full. It wasn't like bad Tommy. It was it was a whooping. Anyway, he took me and he would he would spank me, he'd bring me back out, and we sat. And this happened this one day, and then they would begin their lecture again, and I would I again I went, and so they took me in the back and they did it again. They brought me back out. That happened eight times. I couldn't even feel it anymore. Like I was numb from this area down. Anyway. But finally, my brother, who's two years older than me, he's watching this whole thing, and they began to lecture me again, and my brother just turned to me and said, just shut up! That's all you gotta do! Just shut up! And I was like, oh, okay. So I just was like, okay, well, that's an idea, and I just didn't react. And then they completed their lecture, 75 minutes later, and, and I was done. It would, the idea here is kind of like this. If if my dad would have taken me in the back and said, I can't believe you did that, and then he took out the belt on himself again and again. It's not the same. It's much bigger than that, but that at least gets you in the right direction. The wrath of God was satisfied in himself as he made that blood sacrifice for us. He atoned and satisfied his own wrath. He did this to demonstrate his 
righteousness, his, his justness, his goodness, his holiness, because in his forbearance, patience, I looked that one up, forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. In other words, again, he, he knows like the blood of goats and lambs and stuff, that, that can't actually save you. It was an act of faith, but he left those sins unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Very important to the nature and character of God is this idea that he is just. Now, you and I were created in the image of God, and that's why we have a sense of justice too. We're just really bad at managing our sense of justice. We have a tendency to look out, but not in. So when we are like focusing on justice, we, we have a tendency to be unfair in our dealings with people, but it's the same nature that God has. We don't want people to get away with stuff. And there's something in that that's good, I had a lady come up to me one day, this was on Easter, she came up to me and she was like, I'm just, I was about forgiveness, you know, and she was like, just trying to forgive, but I just have so much anger. I work at Macy's and there's these teenage kids that come in there and they just steal stuff all the time. I get so mad at them. I know who they are, but I can't catch them and I just get mad. And as soon as I see them, I just get so angry. I go home at night and I'm angry about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I get that. I understand that. That's a sense of justice, the same kind of justice. Like, how dare they get away with that? But I also turned to her and I was just like, do you, are you like a manager? Like you in charge? Like you, are you an owner? Is your last name Macy? Like, is this like a big deal? Like, why are you so concerned with this? And she was like, well, I just, I just, it's just not right. I think we understand the nature of God because he is just. The thing I told her, I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I've stole stuff from department stores. One of the people that you would be angry at would be me, because I used to do that. I'd make a sport out of it. Of course you would, if you don't have a relationship with Christ. And she was like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, what if, what if one of them kids is your future pastor? <laughs> If you could just understand just, but my point is with God, the understanding that he is just, this is who he is. He couldn't just turn to us and say, it's okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about your sin. It's all right, no problem. Don't worry about it. There had to be justice. And this is how very much he loves us. This is the good news that there was nobody else that could pay for it. And he didn't ask anybody else to pay for it. He paid for it himself in order to be just. And then he asked this question. I think this is the point. I think this is where Paul's going. But we have a bunch of theology that we get out of the verses that I just read that are essential to our belief and everything, but I don't think Paul was writing a book on, on theology, systematic theology, right? I think Paul's actually trying to make a very practical point. He gets to the end of everything that he said, and he, he just asks this question. Where then is boasting? Like, if all you did was throw yourself on the mercy of God because you need rescued, you need salvation, you can't do it on your own, you can't fulfill the law, even if you understand what good is, which very few people even get to that point, even if you get to that point, 
You can't do it. And all you do is put all of your belief and faith in Jesus. What could you possibly be arrogant about? But that's what we do. We grow arrogant. We have a tendency to start attributing our our goodness, our behavior to ourselves and putting our faith and confidence that we've, well, we've made good decisions. There was a point in my life where I was going the wrong way, but then I started making good decisions. I started going to church or I started uh, abstaining from this and I started doing that. And we, we put it on us and we take credit for it. I'm always trying to connect with my 14-year-old daughter because we don't have a lot in common, except we're both young. Um, I'm always trying to connect uh, with her, and one of the few ways I can do this is I can watch shows that she's into or she wants to watch. So I always end up watching a lot of weird stuff and, uh, that she's into because she is not into what I'm into. Um, and so we'll, we'll like watch this. Well, recently, one of the shows we've been watching I don't know if I should say this or recommend this. Uh, we've been watching um, the Beverly Housewives, the Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's what we've been watching. Yeah, she wanted to watch it. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. We start watching this. It's, it's, it's fantastic. But anyway, um, <laughs> we make fun of it the entire time. Uh, but as we're watching uh, the show, what's interesting is these are obviously super wealthy, super pretentious, super fake people. But what's interesting is to watch is some of the backstories on a lot of these ladies is they come from very humble roots. And in fact, one of them comes from like a third world country and she, she like grew up and like she didn't have much money or anything. And then all of a sudden she's one of these housewives that has, you know, I don't know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of plastic surgery and Botox. And she, she actually was bragging about how she has seven, seven different loca- houses that she just alternates when she lives in. And she's got a little puppy in her purse and, you know, that whole the whole thing. I'm like, how did you come from humble roots and now all of a sudden you're this super pretentious, like uppity person? Like, how did that happen? And a lot of times that's exactly what we are as Christians. No matter where we came from, we start making good choices or God starts doing something in our life and we start working and we start taking credit for it. And we are the spiritual equivalent of somebody that's that's got Botox and a puppy, and we're walking around just going, look what I've accomplished. And Paul's asking the question, where where is boasting? I love how Paul answers his own question. It is excluded. You don't get a boast about anything. You don't get a brag about anything. You didn't do anything. All you did was fall down on the mercy seat of Christ Jesus and ask to be rescued and saved. That's where our faith is at. And yet again, we try to find moral high ground. We try to find circles. We find ways to point uh, the finger at other people. We just can't, we just can't be arrogant about anything. I grew up on a hog farm in Nebraska. One of my jobs was to go out and feed the pig's slop. When you take the slop out there and you throw it in the pen, 40 hogs, full-size butcher hogs come up and... You know, they just like, love that slop. And then they roll around in the mud. You know what? I, I, I never thought about this, but if pigs can think, which they can't because they're such stupid animals. Every time I eat a piece of bacon, I am so happy that there's <laughs> one less pig on God's green earth. 
They can't think. But if they could think, I wonder if they ever look and go, I'm prettier than that one. You know, sometimes I think that's what we're doing. Like we're just looking around at the other hogs and we're like, we got it going on. Like we've made good choices. We've made good decisions. And God's just dumping the slop out and you're like, you poor wretches. There you go. That'll stick with you. It's, it's excluded. There is no boasting and we grow arrogant. We're all on the same playing field. And if we really want to communicate the love of Jesus Christ, the people in the world around us and display the grace of mercy in God in our life, we will be rooted in that. He says, because of what law that, that boasting's excluded? Because of the, the law that requires works, the one that's on us, our behavior, our righteousness, our goodness? No, because of the law that requires faith, the law that comes through Jesus Christ. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the law, works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised, that's the Jew, by faith and the uncircumcised, which is the Gentile, through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. In other words, somebody might come along and say, well, you just want to throw away the entire Old Testament. God might as well not done it. Might as well not given it commands. And he's like, no, 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 not at all. Rather, we uphold the law because Jesus fulfilled this and we are now made righteous in God's sight and he fulfills the law in our life. Today, I just want to, I just want to conclude this, this good news by just asking you the question. Have you been saved. Like, not did you say a prayer at camp one time, or did you get dunked in a baptistry at one point? Did you start attending church at one point in your life? I mean, have you been rescued from yourself? Have you been rescued from your sin? Have you been rescued from the wrath of God? Have you given your heart, your faith, your belief, and put all of your dependence on him? Or have you just made some good decisions in your life? Have you made some good choices? Are you, are you good people? Because I'll tell you, they look very similar sometimes. Somebody that can go to church can be self-righteous and be trying to execute the law even though they don't even realize it and can be sitting right next to somebody that has come to a realization of the weight and, and depth of their sin and has been rescued by Jesus Christ. They can look so similar, but in God's eyes, they are very, very different. And just to be clear, one saves and one does not. Today, have you been rescued or if you just made some good decisions? If you've made, not made the decision. And I'm not just talking about just saying it with your mouth or whatever. I'm talking about from your heart, from the depths of who you are. Have you thrown yourself at the mercy seat of God? Put your belief and faith in Jesus Christ to be rescued and redeemed and washed and made clean. If you haven't done that, you should do that today. Let me pray for you. Father God, I am so thankful for your salvation. I am so thankful for the hope that you give us 
through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ. God, we are thankful, and I pray, God, that the, that the praises we sing are, are not us trying to earn favor or being made right in your sight through what we do, but the praises are just in response to what you have done in our life. God, I pray that we would be humble people that are a display of your gospel and that we would truly understand what it means that that we have salvation in you alone. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.